Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Senator Al Franken weighs in on the proposed Time Warner AT&T deal, and we take a closer look at the Gopher football rivalry with Wisconsin. But first, now that we're officially in the holiday season, many Minnesotans are stepping up to help their neighbors who are less fortunate. One group that's been doing that for a long time is the Salvation Army. MNN's Bill Werner talked to the organization's Jeffrey DeMars. How is the need this holiday season, uh, Jeffrey, from, from your perspective? What are you seeing? Well, I think the need is is always there. It almost seems like a constant when you're dealing with either homelessness or people that have uh, are being affected by you know either medical bills or job related things. I mean, there's always a need for somebody to need something. There's every day we have people coming in our doors um, that need a little bit of assistance. So that never ends. And now how we help them that that of course varies throughout the holiday season is the economy well since since it's improved at least for some people have you noticed a, a decrease in the need at all or is it still pretty steady out there? yeah it's still pretty steady yeah. and constant we haven't seen a, a a dip you know or a rise so it, it's it's generally been staying relatively constant and of course, it, it takes a little bit of time as far as the economy gets back rolling again, as far as people before we start to see um, that uh, either a dramatic increase or a decrease. Now, we are clearly into the holiday season because we, we are in, in this Thanksgiving weekend now. What programs have you got going? Are the kettles launched uh, yep. around Minnesota or in some parts of Minnesota, or tell us what's going on there? Yep, so the kettles are out and about in full effect across Minnesota, the Twin Cities, and outstate Minnesota as well. And the bell ringers are out. You'll see them in front of the stores and in front of the shopping centers and that sort of thing. And now is the time to register, too. Even though you see those bell ringers, we still need more volunteers to register and to um you know, ring the kettle and, and raise money. Every every hour, about $30 is raised in one of those kettles. So your volunteering um, really has an immediate impact uh, each time that you register for a two-hour shift uh, at whatever location you're at. The, the money we raise during this Christmas campaign, it helps the Salvation Army fund our programs and services all year long. So that couple of bucks that's dropped in the kettle can literally mean a, a lunch or dinner for somebody tomorrow or throughout the year. And so folks should not assume just because they see the bell ringers out at uh, outside the shopping centers or wherever uh, that, that all of those slots are filled, right, in terms of bell ringing? Yep, you'll see bell ringers all over the state. And just because you see people doesn't mean that tomorrow we have um, a gap or doesn't mean that tomorrow we have somebody filling that spot. So we never have enough bell ringers. <laughs> we just never do. We need volunteers. Uh, you know, you figure every single day um, for the entire holiday season, that's a lot of volunteer hours. So we always need people to register. And especially um, up in the on the Iron Range in Virginia in the Hibbing area, we need people to register up there. Unfortunately, you know, it gets pretty cold up there. So people are a little bit uh, hesitant to to sign up to Bell Ring, but fortunately up there we do have a lot of indoor locations, so 
that should help uh, entice people a little bit. Uh, and folks on the range, they're pretty tough. They should be able to, <laughs> they, they handle that, I think, all right. They are tough. You know, yeah. people are tough just in general. It's amazing. You, you know, you have people from California or Florida come to Minnesota, and they see the, you know, they have kettles <laughs> in California and Florida, and then they, they see them in Minnesota, and they just kind of yeah. shake their heads. Hold on a second. What's going on? You've <laughs> yeah. got to be kidding. Exactly. Yeah, well, we're made of sterner stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now, if a person wants to uh, inquire, volunteer yep. and inquire about what hours are available, uh, where's yep. the best place to start? It's there? really simple. Uh, SalvationArmyNorth.org. You just start right there, click on uh, Register to Ring, and it'll take you all through the process, and it'll bring you right to your neighborhood, right to the stores within your neighborhood and the hours that are currently available. It's all done online. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can just sign up and then show up. Now let's let's talk about some of the other programs that you're yep. doing this holiday season. Can yep, we have a number of toy programs up in the Duluth area. There's the big Bentleyville uh, Lights, City of Lights that they have, and uh, we're accepting toy donations there that will be given to people over in the Duluth area and including the Iron Range. So that's a big, huge um, event for us, as well as uh, food donations, too. If you go see the lights at Bentleyville, um, bring a food donation, and that goes to our food shelves. The other thing that we do is we have angel trees all throughout the state. And angel trees is, is really pretty simple. You'll see trees either at theaters or at churches, and they have a little um, age on them. And it, whether or not it's a girl or a boy, you take the tag, you bring it back with a, with a gift, and then that gets distributed in those areas. So those are two, those are the two, those are two big ones. We also uh, we have a partnership with AT&T this year where in any AT&T location you can drop off a toy and then we will distribute it to it to people to families for the holidays. Um so I guess that's that's those are probably the the biggest ones. As far as the mission of the Salvation Army because we're getting into that time of the year when a lot of people think about this. Uh and and I suppose we should all be thinking about it year round but you know it it kind of comes more to mind at Thanksgiving and then going into Christmas. Uh the, the mission of the Salvation Army. Uh, talk a bit about that and, and how it helps bring hope to folks who are having rough times. The mission of the Salvation Army is to meet human needs in His name without discrimination. And what that means to us is anybody that walks through the doors that needs some help and needs some assistance, we're going to do what we can to help and provide that for them. It could be somebody who uh, just needs a meal for the day. It could be somebody who you know, needs a couple of dollars to help them get through uh, their months to be able to pay rent and stay in their home. It, it could mean, uh, you know, a hug. It could mean a prayer. It could mean just about anything, and what we're going to try and do is provide that for them. That's the Salvation Army's Jeffrey DeMars. Again, if you want to sign up to Bell Ring, go to SalvationArmyNorth.org and click on Register to Ring. Scott. Thank you, Bill. Again, that's SalvationArmyNorth.org. More Minnesota Matters after this. Hey, it's Flint Lockwood here from Swallow Falls. My friends and I have just discovered these amazing living foodimals. But wait, we've also discovered a crisis that needs our help. According to my calculations, one in five kids in America struggles with hunger. That's almost 17 million kids. Our mission is to help solve hunger by teaming up with the Feeding America Network to get food to kids facing hunger in communities across the country. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks, helping connect children and families who face hunger to billions of pounds of food. 
reaching shelters, schools, and community centers in every county in America, including yours. Help Flint and the Feeding America network of food banks get food to the people who need it in your community. Find your local Feeding America food bank at feedingamerica.org hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota continues to see record numbers of visits to the state's 300-plus food shelves. MN's Tasha Radel has more. Thanks, Scott. It's hard to believe that someone we may know, perhaps a neighbor, may be going to bed hungry. The fight to end hunger continues, and one organization working around the clock is Minnesota Food Share. A little bit about the organization. Over the past 24 years, Minnesota Food Share has distributed over $16 million to food shelves across the state. They also work at increasing access to fresh produce for food shelf users and to raise awareness of the critical importance of healthy food options for all people. Joining me now is Janae Faulkner, Director of Community Engagement for Minnesota Food Share. Janae, I know when the housing market crashed in 2006 and 2007, Minnesota saw a huge spike in food shelf use across the state. Are we still seeing those record visits? Yeah, that's an excellent question. You know, we, although unemployment is down, um, the food shelf visits would indicate that not everybody is thriving in the same way. Um, so food shelf visits are still very relevant for communities. Um, in the suburbs, 90% uh, usage for food shelves has gone up in the last um, eight years. Um, food shelf usage among senior citizens is up 25% from last year. And uh, locally, we have one in six kids who are experiencing hunger. And I know some of those numbers reflected uh, the Twin Cities area. Are we seeing those mirroring images in, in outstate Minnesota? Yeah, absolutely. Specifically, the um, the one in six children go hungry. Um, although that's a local, it's between one in six and one in ten statewide. Um, and depending on where you are statewide, uh, it could even be a little bit more dire than that. One in ten just Minnesotans uh, experiences food insecurity, and of those, um, one in six are kids. And do you feel uh, families are having to choose between, let's say, paying a utility bill or food or prescriptions? Yeah. Uh, you know, for a lot of the, the working poor in particular, um, it's not uncommon for parents to choose not to have dinner every day. Um, and maybe, you know, mom will have dinner with the kids Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday, and dad Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then they'll have a, a full family meal on Sunday or something like that, some variation where they're uh, parents are really choosing not to eat because that's one of the expenses that you can cut down on. Um, you, you know, you can't cut down on what you're paying for rent or for your utilities, otherwise they get shut off. But you can cut down on what you're eating, even though it is to their detriment. And, you know, I understand that there's 300-plus food shelves around the state. Uh, have mm-hmm. these shelves been able to keep up with this demand? You know, I think it, uh, no, there's always, there's always need. Um, there's always need of particular foods as well, depending on the area where people are at. So it might be um, specific foods for um, particular cultures that are in that they really need um, those items. Um, a lot of food shelves struggle to keep diapers and wipes, detergent and fresh produce and things like that in. Um, and those things are really expensive, but they're not 
what somebody thinks about when they think about a food shelf, some of those other necessities that you need for just maintaining a home or having children. And, you know, wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. When we think about donating, uh, especially around the holidays, uh, I'm guessing uh, a cash donation can go a bit further than perhaps a bag of food. Is, Is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, really, it's, uh, contact your local food shelf. I think if you if you don't want to go that far, give dollars um, because then they can designate those dollars to what they need most. Um, but you could also contact your local food shelf and just say, what is it that you need? And if you're doing a drive at your faith community or at your business and people don't want to give cash, um, find out what the local food shelf needs. It might be that they need diapers and you could go a long way in providing those um, because for food shelves, their dollars do go farther than our dollars go, but not for all things, um, generally just for food. And I also wanted to visit with you a little bit. I know that perhaps there's somebody out there listening that may be uh, hesitant or perhaps uh, pride is getting in the way and using a food shelf. Mm-hmm. Food shelves are really different from maybe what I'm thinking about uh, 10, 20, 25 years ago. They've come a long way. It's a it's a different atmosphere. That's what I noticed at my local food shelf mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, you know, I think we're seeing that food insecurity is not something that um, is a, a when we first were noticing it, I think there was a hope that we could just get some emergency food assistance out to people and that would solve the issue. Um, and we're noticing now with, with wages staying the way that they are, um, but the cost of other things increasing, that there are a lot of families who are working, they're employed, but they're in need. And so um, food shelves have done a really tremendous job in making a dignified space for people to come um, where they um, can feel safe and they have choice, um, where they can choose items that would fit their family's needs rather than just be uh, given a, a bag of items. Although there are some food shelves that still work that way and that, that's just the, the best way that they can do it. And with the holidays uh, upon us, uh, anything that Minnesotans can can be doing maybe to help another family in need or perhaps it's their next-door neighbor, uh, any advice for us on how we can help, Janae? Yeah. You know, I think number one is to get the message out. I think it's really hard for us to believe that there are hungry people when we live in a really food-rich society. And for those of us in the Twin Cities metro area, we're a very um, restaurant-driven local food uh, community. And so to remember that there are people that are in need, um, to reach out to our politicians and support legislation uh, that protects people's food rights, um, and then to donate, to give money, to give items, um, just to be connecting. For more information on how you can give to your local food shelf, you can head to Minnesota Food Share's website. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life.
Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? Because I love you! <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Alright. Now pass me the new filter. Why? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. When news broke recently that media giants AT&T and Time Warner were thinking of merging, the $85 billion proposal drew immediate scrutiny from lawmakers who say the deal would be bad for consumers. U.S. Senator Al Franken has spoken out against big media mergers like this one before, and he says he has major concerns about this latest potential deal. My concerns is that, uh, that when you have the distributor of content, meaning entertainment news, uh, buying the creator of a, a great deal of content, uh, like HBO, uh, this is Time Warner owns uh, HBO, of course it owns Warner Brothers Studios, it also uh, owns CNN, um, that this uh, is kind of a classic vertical uh, integration and in, in the creation of um, an entity that can uh, decrease competition, which leads to higher prices and less choice for consumers. And Senator, in a letter to the FCC and the Justice Department, you say it's troublesome also because it would give one company control of programming and how programming is delivered to viewers. I explain that. What, what would that mean to viewers if it does go through? Well, AT&T uh, owns DirecTV, which is one of the major ways that people get TV. And then if they're also to own these content providers, HBO, uh, CNN, uh, Warner Brothers Movies, uh, they could favor their own content on their delivery system. And not only that, but uh, they could... Uh, uh, other competitors like Comcast to deliver um, content, uh, they could hold, they could shake them down essentially for their content. You know, uh, uh, another cable provider is going to want to get HBO, and uh, AT and T can, and Directv can say, "Nah, you don't get it. We we just want to we want to be the only ones to carry HBO." And then maybe they'll, or maybe they'll just charge them far more for HBO uh, or for CNN. And so when they get these uh, crucial content providers like what I was 
those uh, networks, it's re really not a good idea for the deliverer or uh, the pipes, so to speak, uh, to be buying the the uh, the content. And it, it's sort of classic. And usually, what happens when there's this kind of concentration in the media is that it hurts consumers, it raises prices, and limits choices. So to to address that, it is potential that the average person who has cable would would see an actual change or an increase in their bills. That's possible. Yes, that's that's what we're looking at. It's a, a, a very direct link when you have this kind of uh, merger, which is a vertical integration. So it's owning the way to distribute the content and owning the content at the same time very often leads to higher higher prices and, uh, and very often less choice. And Senator, what kind of action specifically are you calling for here uh, ahead of this merger since the news of the merger came out? Well, I'm asking that the Department of Justice, which makes decisions on, on mergers, and that the FCC, which has um, jurisdiction here, I believe, to look very carefully at this. And we're going to be doing um, a hearing or more than one hearing uh, in the Judiciary um, Subcommittee on Antitrust, which actually Amy Klobuchar is the ranking member of that, and she has called for hearings along with the, the chairman of that, Mike Lee, uh, from Utah. So that's what is uh, so far in play. Uh, this is something that I've been very experienced with. I was uh, against the uh, Comcast NBC Universal uh, deal for the very same reasons, which is uh, the you know the number one cable company owning NBC and Universal and about twenty some other stations like uh, you know uh, MSNBC, CNBC but also like Bravo and uh, Univision and other, uh, other really big suppliers of, uh, of content. And um, I lost on that, but, but they had some conditions that were placed on them by the FCC, which they then went ahead and violated. So <clears throat> the, the, the fact is these companies are so big that uh, when conditions are placed on them during these uh, on these mergers, they very hard to enforce. They're very very hard to enforce these kinds of uh, conditions, and the people hurt are, are Minnesota consumers. Senate hearings on the proposed merger are set for December seventh. If we do have listeners out there that are concerned about this ahead of the hearings, what what can they do to express those concerns? Well, they could express concerns to the FCC and to the Department of Justice and, or to their, their uh, senator or uh, especially those on the antitrust committee. And that's in Minnesota. That's both me and Amy Klobuchar. Thanks again to my guest, Senator Al Franken. We'll keep you posted on any new developments in this continuing story. More Minnesota Matters after this. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. 
when I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 110 children is diagnosed with autism. That's a 600% increase in the last 20 years. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As the Golden Gopher football team prepares to face rival Wisconsin this holiday weekend in Madison, MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm, also the radio voice of Gopher football, had a chance this week to chat with one of the impact players with the U of M football team. Scott, one of the neat stories that's unfolded with the Gopher football team this year is the emergence of sophomore linebacker Blake Cashman, who's still considered a walk-on player for the team. He's worked his way up from playing only on special teams to now registering five sacks in the past three weeks. In fact, his career-high 10 tackles during last week's Senior Day win over Northwestern at TCF Bank Stadium included two sacks and a forced fumble and earned the youngster the Big Ten Conference Defensive Player of the Week award. It's meaningful a lot. I mean, it's... Getting that award is a big accomplishment, and I realize that um, it's very encouraging to keep doing what I'm doing and stick to the, the course and uh, work hard and see if uh, greater things uh, can come. Um, I uh, got news. Uh, people were tweeting at me, and uh, I don't know. I got a lot of tweets. <laughs> Twitter was blowing up, um, so that's how I found out, and my parents and stuff were texting me to congratulate me, so it was, it was fun. Yeah, I bet. No doubt about it. Now, um, in regard, we talked last week when, when we had a chance to uh, to chit-chat about your progression here from special teams impact guy, like making a tackle on every single coverage team, it seems, on every time the ball's kicked, to now having an impact in, I don't want to say real plays because that kind of downplays what special teams and the importance of them, but plays, uh, you know, downs, every down kind of plays. I mean, you have moved yourself into that role. Um, how, how, how satisfying is that to know that now you're being called on to do some of those things too? It's great. Uh, I've always wanted, or my goal coming in my sophomore year was uh, to get on the field on defense and have some kind of impact on the game. And beginning of the season, it wasn't looking like that. It was a little bit frustrating, but I just kept working at it, kept um, getting my head in the playbook. And towards the end of the season, I've kind of hit a peak where I've been doing a solid job and just doing my best to keep it up. Now, as, uh, as you get more and more uh, accustomed to, to what your role is, uh, as you look ahead to this weekend, how important, obviously, it's Wisconsin. You have a chance for the Axe. I mean, I don't know. I don't even have to ask the question just to say, talk about it a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's to Minnesotans, probably the most important game of the year. I think we haven't had it in, like, 12 years. So, obviously, everyone around here wants it bad, and we know how important it is. And this week, we've all got together as a team and – said that we got to buckle down and stay focused. From from what they do offensively, um, are there some things, some crevices that you can find to get through and try to, uh, you know, tack on a sack or two onto that on that total? Uh, what, what do they bring? And does a quarterback move well? How does that all work for you in your mind? Uh, well, I know they, they have a big, um, good offensive line. Uh, they have that every year, um, year in, year out. Um, but I don't know. I, I know that it's a big challenge, but – um, playing with a lot of confidence, and uh, I like to think of myself as a relentless blitzer, and that 
even if I get hit or slow down a little bit, I'm going to keep trucking through and try to get that quarterback. So Now, i got to ask you this question. Jack Lynn, your teammate in the post-game interview on Saturday, said that you were a wild man on the field but a pretty boy off the field. Is that accurate, and uh, do you take issue with your teammate there with his stance? I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a pretty boy. He, uh, they like to give me a hard time um, just because I do my hair and I wear jeans to class instead of sweatpants. So I'm going to leave it at that. But uh, it's all fun and jokes that um, we're really close in the linebacker room. So we all like to joke around and give each other a hard time. Last one for you. Your track here to, to, to the University of Minnesota. Kind of take us through how the recruiting process, uh, the decision to come here, and, and uh, do you feel like it, it's, it's, it's paying off now? It's absolutely paying off. I actually got a text from a few close people um, this past weekend, and they were talking to me about how, like, I was wasn't a little, uh, I was unsure about coming to Minnesota because it's a Division One program, Big Ten school, and it's a lot of competition. And I didn't have a scholarship, so it kind of gives the vibe that like you're uh, overlooked, um, and you're not gonna maybe get the opportunity at first. But I don't know. I I know who I am and I work hard and I'm dedicated to put in the work that's necessary to be able to get on the field. So when I was going through my recruiting process, I was getting a lot of Division II looks, but I knew my heart was at Division One. and my high school coach, uh, Mike Grant, he told me that the Gophers came in and asked about me and he said, is that something you're interested in? And I, I jumped at it right away and said, absolutely, like get him on the phone and I'd love to talk to him. And I got hooked up with Mike Sherrills and um, Right away, I knew I wanted to come to Minnesota. And the rest is history. Here yeah. you are. Yep. Very good. Enjoy this weekend. Bring that axe home. Thank you. That's gopher linebacker Blake Cashman, a homegrown talent from Eden Prairie. An interesting side note, Wisconsin also has a walk-on linebacker from Eden Prairie. His name is Ryan Conley, and he also, earlier this season, won Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week honors. So the two former high school teammates will clash this weekend in Madison. Minnesota enters the weekend 8-3. and three. The Badgers are 9-2. and two. Scott? That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.